in my opinion, in my 20 years of experience as a lawyer, I now believe that the best factor or that you should always think about when purchasing a property or any property is financing, financing, financing. Because you can't buy a property where you will end up not finishing the amortization simply because a lot of things will happen or you did not plan for such eventuality. Welcome to Where the F Am I Heading? The podcast where meaningful conversations take place as we traverse the complicated life of adulthood. If you feel lost and troubled, our show aims to help shed some light on your life's concerns. Join your hosts, Ruth and Irene. Let's talk adulting. One of the most important decisions we make as adults is deciding whether to buy a property or not. Our episode today aims to help young adults choose which property best suits them and guide them through the process of making this life-changing decision. To discuss more on this topic, let's welcome our real attorney guest, Attorney Georgia. Hi, Attorney. Hi, Attorney. Hey, good day to everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening from where you are. Attorney, why don't you tell us about a short introduction about yourself and what you do? Well... I have been a lawyer since 2000, took the bar in 1999 in the Philippines. I thankfully passed 2000. Then, of course, you do lawyer things. I started out as a lawyer for a senator. Uh, that was way back in 1998. Even before I was a lawyer, I was already staff of the senator. Then I started to become bored with public service. Then I entered private practice. So after nine years of public practice in 2009 when my first child was going to be born. I took the real estate licensure exam, then passed it in 2009. Then that led me to making a major shift in my career as a lawyer. So I wanted to become a real estate lawyer. So since I was a lawyer, then I was now a licensed real estate broker in the Philippines. Then what more can I ask for if I could be strictly taking on cases with regards to real estate and land ownerships, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So that was the time when I coined the word real attorney. So it's a marriage of real estate attorney. Okay. So that's R-E-A-L-T-T-O-R-N-E-Y. And during also that time, it's when I, I was reading the book of A.D. Kessler. It's called Fortune at Your Feet. Wherein the thing that struck me there was the words that he said in the introduction. He basically said that there are no problem properties, merely problem ownership. So that's why when the outfit Real Tony was born, my tagline was uh, solutions to problem ownership. So what I do, if you ask me, uh, what does Attorney Jojo do? I help people solve real estate, their real estate problems on ownership and transactions. So that's the short end of it. I'm all about real estate. I'm all about the legal side of real estate. And I hope I can solve as many problems as, as I can. And I'm also a, a, an accredited lecturer of PRC. I oftentimes share my experience with them so that there are a lot of real estate practitioners who are not licensed or accredited in the Philippines. And the government is cracking down on them. So we're helping out these people become accredited so that they are taken into the fold, so to speak. Because there's a law now in the Philippines now, if you practice real estate service, when you do not have a license, you get penalized. There's a jail term for that and a fine. So as much as possible, we want to help those people 
earn a living while being still compliant with the law. And it is interesting because you said that you are a lawyer in a re- licensed real estate broker. So if someone who is looking into buying his or her home, why not talk to someone who has, you know, both aspects in it? And it's an interesting story because while you are talking, we were really like, wow, yes, nice, interesting. So this is actually good because you've already covered a lot of questions in there. But I just want to ask what parts of real estate you do, like, what are the areas that you've handled so far? All right. So let me just take a step back as a beginning to my answer to your first question. Because of the internet and the technology where you can find information at the, at the click of your fingers, either in the phone or in your laptop, it makes people think that buying real estate, buying a home is as easy as one, two, three, and that's it. Where in fact, the entire process of buying real estate, your future home or your investment property or just a farmland for your, if you want to buy a farm, it is a very complex transaction. You have to deal with at least three government agencies, the BIR, the Registry of Deeds, and your local government unit where the land you're buying is located. So if you don't know the ins and outs of that, then some complications would always arise. Okay, It is not merely as looking up the properties that you're interested in buying in the internet, then reading about it, getting as much as information, then contacting the developer. Then you sign an agreement, then if everything goes well, then hopefully you've made a good purchase of a property. But in reality, it's much more complex than that. There are times when it is encouraged that you must have at least the advice of an attorney, not necessarily a real estate attorney, but an attorney who can give that extra layer of protection on your part as the buyer with regards to the type of contracts that you will be signing. Because most of these contracts, it takes about two or three pages worth and the font is really small. (laughs) So if that's small, they just ask you, sometimes it's a rush decision. They just they just say, uh, you sign here, sign here, sign here. And then you don't have the opportunity to read it because of your excitement to purchase your first property. Then, then let's go. You, you gloss over all the details. But when problem arises, then that's where the heartaches begin. The unfortunate realities step in where the money that you put in to the dream house of your choice may be lost because of circumstances, for example, the pandemic, right? So basically your real estate attorney is there, or at least your attorney is there to mitigate or manage your risk. I know most of our audience would hear this, buying a piece of property or your dream home is one of the biggest, if not the biggest investment of one's lifetime. So it's an investment that it's big. It must be very well planned. And if not planned Well, complications will arise, risk will apparently show up, then you have to counter that risk after the fact. And that's most of the time where the lawyer steps in, not before, right? So that has been the experience here in the Philippines where most people think that it's costly to hire a lawyer for them to be guided in the entire buying process. And it's just unfortunate where you have those instances where problems arises, hearts are broken Emotions are drained, anger sets in, you know, and all of those negative thoughts that comes with the misstep in the buying process. 
So hopefully with this podcast, we will be able to open the eyes of your listeners and just inform them that especially real estate in the Philippines, the, the entire buying process is really very complex. It's something that needs to be studied. It's something that needs to be planned in advance. And this is coming from me. It must be done with the expert guidance of someone who has been there and who has experienced all the ins and outs and dealings with the real estate brokers, real estate developers, and regulatory agencies of government. Ruth was smiling earlier because like she's being targeted with what you said yeah. about research and everything because she bought her first house without research. Oh, and, and how, is, how is that? Yeah, I felt guilty when you said that you have to do this and do that because my first purchase, property purchase, was made out of heartbreak. <laughs> because I was heartbroken, I told myself, I want to buy a house. And then, bam, I put a reservation and all that. And like, okay. Revenge buying. Yeah. But yes. thankfully, I was able to pull it off. So right now, I'm in that house. But don't do that. You have to do your research. <laughs> you are one of a few and a very, very few people that it all worked out. Yeah. And honestly, attorney, so, you know, I'm, I work overseas, uh, travel, and every time people would come to me, like, let's say, friends or the Marites would ask me, when are you going to buy a house? You know, it's, it's about time to buy a house. You have to buy a house for your mom. The thing is, it's not just that, but as a millennial, buying a house is not really something I look forward into, especially in the Philippines, because of my lifestyle yeah. it just doesn't work well you know how many times do i have to go to philippines once a year i'm not going to enjoy that house so i'm not going to put myself into a situation where i have to buy a property have a commitment and then actually cannot go abroad anymore because i have a house in philippines so i have to deal with those kind of judgment from people all the time but anyways why is it so important to buy a house or to own a house well that is a good question, and here's my take on it. In the Philippines, buying your own house is not really the same as a cultural experience compared to the United States. In the United States, when you say it's the American dream, you need to buy a house for yourself in order to be called successful. But in the Philippines, well, this is cultural, and this is my opinion, right? When I say that in the Philippines, most children are not really encouraged to buy their own homes is simply because you can see this where in one compound, there are the children of the elders are living there and the children of the children are living there. So, And the fact that they don't own a home, their own home, is not a stigma to them. Like if they call this compound a home, even if the title to the land is not in their name, it is still considered a home. Because that is where family is, and that is where the joys and the experience of having a closely knit family, and where sometimes really the parents do not encourage their children to leave home. For some reason, we are an extended family in the Philippines, right? I am 49 years old. I have a 12-year-old daughter who's the eldest. And I'm thinking now, why would I want her to leave home if she can be with me forever? <laughs> Something like that. So it's a cultural thing, right? So when you say, is it really important for the Filipinos that a house be purchased for them? In my opinion, it's not really a must. In the Philippines, you could always say that the people who want to buy their own house are those people who are educated enough and who want to be on their own. 
But that doesn't doesn't necessarily mean that those people who are not inclined to have their own homes and live with their parents, with their grandparents, or have their own homes in a compound where the land does not belong or in their name, it's still the same thing that the value of having your own home is not really that important for most of the Filipinos, right? I've always thought about that. And that is why when I suggested the the topic that is homeownership really for you, something like that, because I've been thinking about it and I have been convinced that buying a home is really a big endeavor for anyone. But like you said, Irene, there's no real pressure for a Filipino living in, in the Philippines to buy a home when they reach a certain age. If you're living with your mom and your mom is happy, then why leave the house? Of course, there's also that experience where when mom gets older and someone needs to take care of mom or your, or your dad, then you're there. And that's why most of the time, parents like me have that thinking where why would I want my children to leave the house? I could uh, build a home, a separate house on the same compound so that they don't get to see me 24-7, right? But having your own house, your own home, it's not really that big a deal here in the Philippines. But that's my take on it, right? Actually, that's a refreshing take on it because you are speaking from a parent's point of view. And while you are speaking, I was like, yeah, my mom is like that. If you can get a house nearby, you know, and keep the family closer together. And like from our experience, Irene and I, we were talking about People are asking, when are you going to buy a house and all that? Now I realize that those questions are not really coming from parents. Sometimes it's coming from outside people, you know, the aunts or neighbors who are just like asking that question. But just for the sake of asking. Yeah. But for the parents' point of view, usually it's like if you can get a house or at least stay with me, you know, as long as you can. And the good thing about it is that if you're going to stay with your parents and you are single, at least you have the opportunity to save up and use that for your own investment, right? So that's a good advantage. And related to that, what do you think are the advantages and disadvantages of owning a house? All right. So the first advantage of owning a home in your own name is that you get to have something that is real, something tangible, and it bumps up your net worth as compared if you don't own a house in your name. Even though if it's mortgage, still, you still have that equity in your house. You pay off the mortgage every every month. So equity builds up, then your net worth increases with the home ownership. Number two, there are still segments in our society where owning a home of their own is like a badge of honor. It's like a badge of success. Number three, one of the biggest advantage of owning your own home is that if you decide to level up or to get married, wherein the house that you first owned now is smaller than the needs of the entire family. So now it becomes also an investment on your part, which you can sell or you can have it leased out then you have passive income coming from that property. But of course, if you're going to buy a second home, then that would also take a lot of supposed planning. But if you plan it well, and if your better half or your partner is willing to to take on the extra expenses for the second home or a bigger home, then that would play out maybe very well for the couple. Now, what are the consequences? Well, number one, of course, When you own your own home, you have to pay all of the expenses that are requisite 
with owning a home. So you have real property taxes. If you are into uh, insurance, then you may want to insure your house for fire, for earthquake, or for uh, for calamities. But I don't know if, if we have insurance for flooding. So I, I'm not sure with that. But I think the insurance commission is slowly waking up to the reality where we have serious flooding in the Philippines because of climate change. And therefore, if you want to protect your home against these this devastating floods, then you can get insurance. Now, another consequence or, or the negative side of owning a property is since it is your biggest investment of your adult life, if you do lose it, then it's very difficult for you to climb out of the financial hole that will be dealt with you if you lose the, the property. I've had this experience where they just bought a home, then the floods came in, all of the furnitures were wrecked, cannot be used anymore because of the flooding. There's five-inch mud inside the house. So the worst thing that could happen there is when government declares it as a danger zone for you, and therefore your investment now would be very, very drastically affected by that. And plus the fact that if it's going to be an, a yearly occurrence, then it's really hard for you to enjoy your house, your home, with that kind of circumstances. If every year there will be flooding, or if every two years there would be flooding, that's a difficult thing for you to grasp, especially when you have other, other things happening in your life, family, work, and whatnot. So that, that is also one of the consequences of owning a home. Also, probably the final negative side of owning your own home is that, of course, if you're like Irene who wants to travel, work abroad, if you buy a home here, then she said this uh, earlier, where relatives will come and somehow you're tied to this home. And if you don't care for it that much, or if you entrust the care of that home to another relative, then your investment may not be served by those relatives who would be taking care of your home. So it's like an anchor that may drag your that may drag your career down if you have your own home here. Because the reality now, especially with this pandemic, is there has been a difference or a downsizing of big corporations with regards to the work hours of their employees. So you have now work from home arrangements, wherein if you're someone who is, for example, in in Cavite and you used to work in BGC, and you are from, from, for example, Negros province. So you want, you're yearning to go back to your roots because there's family there. In your hearts of hearts, you may want to go back to your roots, to the province. And yet your house is in Cavite because that is where you plan for it because it's more affordable to, to purchase a home further away from the metropolis than near to it. And you just travel to that place. But because of the work-from-home arrangement, you could work in, for example, like in Negros Occidental and probably just go go report every once a month or even twice a month, something like that. So the option for you to go back home to Negros is drastically impaired because you have this home somewhere in the place where you may want to forgo because of your work from home arrangement, right? So it's it's an anchor that drags your happiness maybe because you want to be closer to home now and you want to have a bigger place, a bigger yard, a someplace where you, you can garden. talk to people in your own public, right? Or you can garden, something like that. So those are the pros and cons of it. Now, home ownership, of, of course, the other side of home ownership is just renting a property, right? So all of those things that I've mentioned, 
works well if you're just a renter, okay? Like in Germany, big issue now in Germany is that the, the rental cost of their homes, especially in, I think it's in Berlin, I think, are really rising. So those people now, instead of having that lifestyle wherein they could leave home, then come back, and when they're traveling, they just pay the rent, etc., etc. Then when they come back, they have the security of their home, even though it's a rental. It's also a bit a challenge for renters now under the entire milieu of this pandemic. What am I driving at? So home ownership is really a big, big decision for every millennial to have. It depends on your lifestyle, depends on the career you want to build, and it depends on what you can afford. Because I've always heard a lot of ex- real estate experts says that location, location, location is the best factor when looking for real estate. But in my opinion, in my 20 years of experience as a lawyer, I now believe that the best factor or that you should always think about when purchasing a property or any property is financing, financing, financing. Because you can't buy a property where you will end up not finishing the amortization simply because a lot of things will happen or you did not plan for such eventuality. That is why when I said earlier that the job of a real estate lawyer is to mitigate risk, I hope most of our audience would feel and would think that purchasing a home entails a lot of risk. And if you could ask assistance from from someone who can mitigate those risks, then that will work best for you and for your future. Wow. Attorney, that like clarifies what I had been thinking for all these years, for five years now. <laughs> to be honest, because, you know, the first real rental apartment with contract I ever had was actually in Spain. Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized a lot of things. I get tired of the place easily. You know, I love the place. You have lakes and everything. You can do a lot of sports. But then I realized uh, I'm, I'm not going to be so happy here. But then I have one year contract. Imagine one year contract. And I have to finish that one year. And I was already like, can't wait to move out like that. But if you own a house, it's not going to work like that. You cannot move out even though your neighbors are like burning garbage or they are stealing your chickens if you have a farm. You cannot just move out, pack your things and move, right? So in my case, I was able to just, okay, pack my things, move to Romania. And now I'm actually in Denmark. So just the thing that I'm weighing the situations in yeah, I guess the home ownership is not really for me. But anyways, for those single people out there or those who are still trying to build their careers, is it necessary for them to buy a house early on or would it be practical to just rent? Let me answer that by saying this. Of course, when you want to start a career, you must have a plan, all right? So what type of career or what type of industry first you want to be in or you want to have an impact on, then you have to plan your career. So when planning your career, everyone starts from the bottom. So not not everyone is like a genius where you start at the middle management or become an entrepreneur. But if you do want to take a, a, a career, a particular career, if you're going to ask me, I'd rather that you have to first save up for that down payment. And hopefully that down payment is not the minimum down payment. If the minimum down payment for a house that you want to purchase is about 20%, then I hope you save up for about 30, 40, or about 50%. So what am I telling you? If you want to purchase your own house, maybe it's first better for you to save up 
And when you save up, that means maybe you can rent first. But in the Philippines, sometimes the rental is equivalent to an amortization per month, right? So how would that happen now, attorney? If your parents still love you and they are not tired of you, maybe it's best for you to be in the house of your parents, pick up some slack with regards to expenses in utilities, groceries, then save up for that. Because like I said, it's important for you to save up. It's about financing, financing, financing. If you don't have that capability to buy a house that you really want, then it's going to be difficult if you get pressured by your peers wherein they say, oh, why haven't you bought a house? Aren't you tired of your parents, etc., etc.? For me, don't listen to them. It's all about you and your career. If you want to buy a house correctly, then save as much as you can. And when you save, you also put your savings in somewhere where it grows. It could be an investment, whatever investment vehicle that you may want. But save as much as you can, then purchase the house that you want. Pag-ibig is always nice to have as a financing uh, institution, but the bigger your down payment is on a piece of property that you really want, the better for you. And if you want to buy a house where it's really beyond the price range of Pag-ibig, when I say Pag-ibig, it's the Home Development Mutual Fund, okay? That's the primary housing financial institution in the Philippines. And when you, you want to purchase a house, let's say, in, in the 8 million range or about 10 million range, then it would be best for you to start saving early so that when that time comes and when you really want to purchase that house, then you can do it without fear that complications will arise with regards to your financing because you prepared well for that eventuality. There's a lot of great points in there. The first one is about the down payment or the deposit. Don't just save up the 20%, but save up more than that. And funny thing is that there are developers or agents who are posing zero down payment or zero whatnot, you know, something just to entice people. But really, it's true. If, if you want to avoid paying for a large amount of interest, might as well save up for the down payment, right? Another great point you mentioned, you have to be a loving daughter or son so you can stay with your parents to save up. So that's really great. I have a question, actually a follow-up question. You mentioned about if you want to purchase a, a property worth $8 million or $10 million, might as well save and once the time that you have that amount or at least for the down payment, you can go for it. But there are actually people who have this mindset that they are afraid that by the time they have already saved up, that property has already appreciated. It's no longer $8 million anymore. So that's where their dilemma is coming from. How should we deal with that? Well, well that, that is a very good question. One of the great real estate quotes that I've heard is, what's the best time to buy a property? It's yesterday, right? Because real estate by its nature, since it is adhered to land, it is finite, Meaning when supply is limited, you now have the long supply and demand, wherein if the supply is limited, the chances of that property going up or appreciating is more or less certain simply because it's the Lord God Almighty who only gets to build land, right? Except when you're reclaiming the ocean, wherein you 
a lot of dirt on the sea to create more land, right? But in its essence, real estate is finite in nature and therefore it's always appreciation. And also, real estate is a hedge against inflation. It means that it always increases in value, lock and step with inflation. So in the Philippines at the moment, we have uh, almost 3% inflation. And I guarantee you that the prices of uh, real estate would be about 35 to 5% increasing, which is lock and step with the inflation. And that is its nature, really. So when you buy uh, real estate, it's a hedge against inflation, meaning when you sink in money there, the, the purchasing power of your money is not lost simply because you bought a asset type that goes in step with the inflation that we experience every month or every year, right? So the question is, what will happen if I save and save now? And if I want an 8 million peso home? So I have two points to answer that. Number one is don't save only what you have. The better advice there is to increase your earning, right? Attorney, how do I increase my earnings? You do side jobs, okay? If you are employed at this time, then you do side jobs. If you are good in writing, maybe you could be a content creator. If you do uh, a lot of videos as a hobby, then maybe you could do you could be a videographer, right? Something like that. So instead of just saving and saving, the better part of that equation would be to increase your earnings. That is so you can save more. Next, okay, then this is the final thing that I have to say on this matter is, if you want an 8 million peso home, and if you really can't afford it, maybe it's time to shift your mindset into a lower value of a home. Could be as pretty as, as it can be, but I've always said this to my clients. You can't be emotionally attached to a house where you viewed, and when it's time for you to sit down and do the math and make sense of all the numbers that is in front of you just to purchase that house. If it doesn't make sense, then why bother purchasing that house? If you really can't afford it, then I would just say, can you please step down your expectations? And instead of buying an 8 million peso home, maybe it's time for you to buy a 5 million peso home. But of course, the quality of that 5 million peso home today may not be the same as five years from now. It's, it's, it's just a sad fact that everywhere in the world, the issue of affordability is squeezing millennials and even Gen Z. They're being squeezed out by affordability issues, okay? The high prices of land coupled with high prices of steel, concrete, etc., etc., which, which we all know goes into the house. So eventually the, the, that piece of real property that is sold for 5 million today may not be as big as the 5 million peso home that will be sold five years from now. So if you, as you know, in order to just to maintain the price level, something has to give. So the area gets a little bit smaller, finishing. It's not really in quality that you really want. So that would be my advice. Number one, increase your earning capacity. Don't just save what you're currently owning. And number two, if you can, lower your expectations, okay? There is less heartbreak when you do that because if the numbers really don't align well, so maybe it's really time for you to lower your expectations wherein your earning capacity would be very, very well served by the property that you are purchasing, even on installment. Yeah, great. And actually, I, I want to connect that to you, to your answer earlier about financing, financing, financing. Don't bite more than what you can chew. So if you really want something that's worth $8 million or $10 million, and you know very well that with your financial status at the moment, 
will not be able to keep it up, then maybe you have to have a change of mindset or do something to afford it. Because eventually, if you really push for it and you don't have enough finances, it would really be, you know, disaster. It would be a heartbreak. Yeah, a disaster. So that's a really great point, Katori. Is it cheaper to buy a house through a housing project? Well, it depends on the housing project. So there are different types of developers. The developers where, you know, the quality is there. An example, Ayala, right? So Ayala land, even their low-income houses, which is the Amaya property, when you enter that, you would say that it is an Ayala property. The community is built well, so there's parks, open spaces in the housing project. Now, compare that to a a different developer, maybe an up-and-coming developer wherein it doesn't have much of the financial capacity as Ayala, and they want to maximize the land that they purchase and earn profit from it. So you have less open space because under the law, developers are required to have 70% of saleable land. Then the 30% is allotted for open spaces, meaning parks, playgrounds, and roads and alleyways. So that's a minimum of 30%. Now, Ayala, if I'm not mistaken, is brings that about 35%, about to 40%. Okay, In their premier level, Ayala Premier, they even have a 50% open spaces, okay? So an example of that would be the ones in New Valley, the ones in uh, Ayala West Grove Heights, Ayala Labang. If you've entered that enclave, you would see that there are a lot of open spaces there. And maybe it's 45% open spaces versus the saleable land of about 55%, something like that. So with regards to other developers, if you can imagine a raw house, it's like an apartment where both walls of your house are the next walls of your neighbors. If there's an argument and on the left side, you may hear it. So it may be a choice for you, okay? It's, it's also a question of affordability. If you want to purchase a home where that would be, for example, your starter home, or you just want to have your own house because you want to be out of your parents' way, et cetera, et cetera, whatever your motivation is, then it's up to you to find out what kind of property or a project you want to be in because when you buy a house in Latina housing project, it's about the community, right? So I'm not saying this because we're in a class war or something like that, or I look down upon the other social classes, but you know, if you were raised on a class C or class B environment, then probably purchasing a property in a class D environment wherein it's normal for your neighbors to go outside without any t-shirt because that's how they were brought up. Or if it's natural for them to be shouting at one another, even though they're just two meters apart and something like that, wherein if you didn't grow up in that environment, then it will be hard for you to buy into that community, right? So the advantages of you buying a house in a housing project would have to depend on your expectations, okay? So, of course, if you want to buy into a Class B environment or enclave, then it's a little bit pricier and you have to plan well for that. Yeah, that's true. Community is also important if you are considering because especially, like, this is my experience. As I grow older, I really want to make the environment, you know, quiet so that I can relax and all that. So it's really great to have or to be in a community that is quiet. So like here where I am. So 
Yeah, that's important. So my next question, and this is actually common. This is a common scenario. So let's say I already bought a house and then in the middle of paying the amortization and all that, I lost my job or I started to struggle financially. So what should I do as a homeowner? All right. I recently received a a message in my Facebook page with the same question. And my advice to that was, number one, if you can find someone who can purchase your house at least purchase your equity on the house, then we'll be paying the mortgage in the future. The contract for that would be a deed of assignment for the entire house and lot that you have purchased. Then that is the best case scenario. In the Philippines, it's called pasalo. However, when that doesn't happen, then you may want to check. There's a law in the Philippines, it's called Maceda Law. It's, I think it's Republic Act 6552, wherein you can get back most of what you have given in amortization. However, because the developers have studied the effects of Maceda law, when you purchase your house that is now in your home and you do it through bank financing, then automatically your remedies under Maceda law, uh, Republic Act 6552, is no longer available to you. So attorney, what do I do now, right? Because once the property is transferred in your name and you have executed a real estate mortgage in favor of a bank, then that takes it out from the purview of Maceda Law, okay? Maceda Law only applies if the land title is still in the name of the developer and you are paying amortization to the developer. So they wised up, the developers wised up because they don't want to deal with the hassles of Maceda Law and therefore they always do bank financing so that... You know, whatever they sold, they will not be returning money to the buyers by virtue of Maceda law. So anyway, the question still stands. Attorney, what will we do? If you can, I hope you could read the fine points of your contract and check whether you have that wiggle room to get anything back from what you have been paying prior to your financial difficulties. However... Like I said, the banks and the developers are already smart enough to make a contract that is rock solid, wherein if you do encounter financial difficulties, then the worst thing that could happen to you is that you will lose your home through foreclosure. And that is a very, very painful process to undergo, especially as a homeowner. If you're lucky enough to purchase the home through Pag-ibig, then the Pag-ibig will always grant you a refinancing of your principal and your, the interest that you that you failed to pay. And they are very, very open to letting you live there while you're re- refinancing your mortgage, right? But that doesn't bode well for all of the developers. So most of the developers, especially the middle to high-end class of properties, typically it's financed through the banks. And the banks have this real estate mortgage, which is rock solid that if you do miss one, one, two, three, four, five payments, then they will foreclose it immediately. And that you lose, number one, your house and all of the, the equity that you already built by paying those amortizations in the past, okay? So there's no easy way out. So if you do encounter financial difficulties, and this happened also in the United States when they had the 2008 housing crisis of theirs, if you can talk to your bank and if the bank is flexible enough to say, okay, we can renegotiate your mortgage, then that is very good for you. You may want to ask a professional to help you out with the negotiations for the refinancing. But 
as much as possible. It's all about also planning. And if you have that emergency fund, if you do believe in the financial experts wherein they say that you have to have an emergency fund of about three to six months or even six months or more, then hopefully, even though if you lose your job during these critical times, then you will have something to tide you over while you do the refinancing. Okay, so the last thing probably to do is ask mom and dad to help for help or a friend. So, you know, because going to foreclosure is really difficult. It's really a bad experience. Yeah, it's a heartbreaking experience for the homeowners. That is why also some people would not want to buy a home simply because of that risk in the future, wherein your earning capacity is not really guaranteed for the next 10 years, right? Like now we have, we have the pandemic, everything slows down, et cetera, et cetera. So like I said, it's about risk. And if you can manage your risk properly, then you will be better off than the other person who's having or encountering the same difficulties as you. Tony, can you clarify the misconceptions of hiring a lawyer? Because, you know, most of them would think that lawyers are very, very expensive upfront. Well, in the Philippines, unlike in the United States, some lawyers would gladly help you assist the prospective homeowner in their buying process for a flat fee. Now, I always say, if you're cost conscious, then you may want to shop around. But of course, it's better to have someone on your side to look at everything, the contracts, the other documents that the developers would be asking you to sign and give you proper advice than foregoing that then having difficulties three years, four years, five years down the line, then your cost will be several times higher than your cost when you just hire a lawyer at the beginning process. So in the Philippines, you, you can negotiate with, the, with your lawyer for a flat fee just to give you proper advice on your buying process. So it's not really expensive, but of course, expensive is a relative term. You may want to shop around, like I said, or you may want to think of it as if you do pay this amount, you're sure that there won't be any problems in the future with regards to your purchase. So like I said, the lawyer should mitigate your risk or help you mitigate your risk, minimize your risk, point out to you what can be the missteps that could happen if this contract doesn't push through as planned. It's a good security blanket, okay? So... Lawyers in the Philippines, like I said, and to uh, shout out to my fellow lawyers, we are reasonable. We can work with the prospective home buyers. And just when you do shop around, just take into consideration the experience and the knowledge of the professional that you will engage. Yes, that's right. And actually, lawyers can help you get the emotion out of your decision yes. making because this is a big investment or a big purchase. So they will help you do that. So for our final question, it, I'm really enjoying our conversation because I'm into real estate. There's still a lot of questions I want to ask, but because of our limited time, this is the final question. The tips or what are the necessary questions to ask and the things that the buyer should be considered when buying a house? Oh, okay. Let's just put it into probably four or five points. So when you want to buy a house, like I said in the beginning, number one is you have to pick a house or a community where it's acceptable for you to live in. So it has to be a community wherein there are no people who are singing karaoke songs in the middle of the night. That's impossible. 
Well, you, you, you can't do that in, in all of the communities in the Philippines. There are some selected communities wherein, for example, in row houses, that you can see a lot of row houses because of the limited space inside. So they bring everything, all of the entertainment outside. So you have there a karaoke machine and they sing until their hearts delight. Okay. Number two, if possible, in this era of technology, don't just look it up in the internet. Even if there's a virtual tour, as much as possible, please go to the site and see for yourself the product. Okay, let's let's call it a product, the finished product of you want to purchase. Because I also have this experience where another individual messaged my page. Him and his wife purchased a property in Batangas during the pandemic, but because of the pandemic, they were not able to see it, to, to see the, the model house. So they ended up paying the down payment and paying the amortization for about almost a year. So when the lockdowns were lifted and they now could go to Batangas and see in person the, the exact model house, they were sad to see that the house was so small that they found it difficult to live there. But of course, when I asked, did you read the finer points of your contract? And they said, yes, attorney, actually all of the the measurements were in the contract. We were just so pressured to buy a home. And when we saw the, the finished product, the model house, it was just so small for us to live in. So now they have that dilemma of how they can get back what they paid. So that's number two. As much as possible, go there, look exactly what the finished product is so that you can see yourself living in that home that you're going to purchase. And number three, financing. If you're sold on the community, if you're sold on the on the project, then financing comes next. But like I said, hopefully you've planned for it. Hopefully you have more than enough of the minimum down payment to make so that it won't be a hassle for you to pay an X amount of peso for the monthly amortization. Because the higher your down payment is, the lesser your monthly amortization is, right? So that's number three. Number four... Please have, of course, and I'm not saying this because I'm a lawyer, please have with you a lawyer or please engage a lawyer wherein they would read the documents that you will sign as a prospective homeowner so that they could see the pitfalls, they could see what trickery probably the developer put in the contract. And finally, if you are going to buy a house, then please bear in mind that this is something that would take a lot out of you. It is something permanent. So if you purchase a house, when everything is settled and you are now can pay for your down payment, everything's checked out in the lawyer, the final checklist is before handing over the check, think about it and say, is this the decision I will have to live with? Or am I comfortable with this decision for the next 10 years or 15 years because that's your length of your loan agreement with the bank or or with the developer. Despite all of the hard work that I did, due diligence was there, etc., etc., with the help of your lawyer, before handing over the check, am I ready for this commitment? It's a big commitment, right? So if you're sold with that, then you will be fine when you purchase that first home. So hearing that, most, uh, most of the listeners, if they are going to take note of all those things before buying, they probably will have a better idea and might get a better deal for themselves as well. And lastly, Attorney, where can our listeners reach you? I'm on Facebook. It's R-E-A-L 
double T-O-R-N-E-Y, so Real Torney. They just type that, they will find my page. If you go to Google and Google Real Torney, you could see my LinkedIn, Instagram account, and other stuff that I did in the past. I used to have a website, but something happened there during the pandemic. Then I lost the, the URL for that. So I'm all over the net. Of course. <laughs> so there, yes. there's no problem. If you, if you want to contact me just for a, a quick advice, then like I said, people can reach me through my Facebook page. And if you want to see me, I have a YouTube page also. You can see me there discussing homeownership, uh, homeowners association, because that is important when you want to become a homeowner. If you buy into a gated subdivision, it has its own rules and regulations, and it has its own politics. It has its own uh, heartaches, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, I guide people living in, in that situation, and hopefully watching the videos gives them some value. All right. So we will add those links in the caption when we release this. Anyways, Attorney, thank you so much for being our guest today. And uh, I'm really glad you're our guest today. Yeah, it's a pleasure of mine. Of course, I'm always happy to share my experience so that other people will not experience the heartaches, the, the sadness, and whatever negative feelings they have when they lose their house that they, they thought that it would be their, their first purchase it's really difficult for them. So by this, I hope that they may be more circumspect. They would plan more and they would hire a lawyer just for the safety of it. Okay. Thank you so much. We really learned a lot and I'm excited to learn more. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us and our listeners. So that's all we have for you today. Thank you for listening. If you're interested in anything and everything about adulting, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at where.the.f.m.i.heading. Catch us again next Wednesday for another episode of Where the F Am I Heading? Where the F Am I Heading?